in this episode, I will be flying solo as I talk about the excellent system of conflict pools, address the high-pitched whistle in the episodes, and strum along as I try and make sense of bards. Welcome to the Mithras Matters Podcast, Season 1, Episode 38, Conflicting Pools and Singing Bards. Hello and welcome to Mithras Matters, a podcast dedicated to the Mithras rule set and all its supplements. As always, I am your host in Wills and welcome to July. Okay, let's address the elephant in the room straight away. At this point, I would like to start off the episode with an apology. After listening to the last episode, some people reported hearing a high-pitched noise uh, or note throughout the episodes. That was distracting, to say the least. I reacted badly to this and should apologise for how I handled the incident. Hopefully, you never realise that I'm not really an expert with podcasting. I'm a small content creator who teaches at a university part-time, and I don't even teach podcasting. I really have taught myself everything that I know up to this point, and at times things just seem to be beyond or out of my control. I do want to provide the highest possible experience with the podcast, but on the last few episodes, that high-pitched whine has meant I didn't achieve this. Thanks for pointing this out to me and please be assured that I'm doing my utmost to try to eradicate the squeal, for want of a better word. Even as I'm recording this episode, I cannot hear the high note. This is probably due to the fact that I am too old. So if you are younger than me and do hear it, then please do let me know and I'll try and eradicate it again. I am constantly looking at the waveform at the moment to see if I can identify it. Thank you to everyone who helped to work to a conclusion about this. I've reduced levels on my mic, I've moved it away from my mouth, and I've even gone back to my previous microphone um, to see whether or not that helped. I had bought a brand new one to try to improve the sound quality of the podcast, but it's been detrimental. Anyway, it can sit in its box for a while. Um, Yeah, so let me know and hopefully, fingers crossed, we don't have that high-pitched noise anymore. And while we are saying thank you, and before we get um, going on the main content, I would like to say a huge thanks to anyone who has ever watched any of my videos on YouTube. Last month, i.e. June, I actually got an email inviting me to become a YouTube partner. As you can probably imagine, I eagerly accepted. 
This marks the end of three years of consistency, determination and hard work. The majority of the growth of the channel has happened through the Mithras contents that I have made. So if you have ever watched, liked or commented on any of the content, then I owe you a huge thanks. In order to become a partner, you need to achieve 1000 subscribers and 4000 watch hours within a 12 month period. So it has been a long, hard journey, but thank you. You made it happen. OK, that's enough apologies and thank you for this episode. Let's get on with the main content and let's have a look at conflict pools. If you have been watching our actual plays on YouTube, then you will be aware that we are alternating between Mithras, the fantasy setting, and M-Space, the sci-fi setting. I have to say that we really rate the M-Space rules. They provide so much flexibility that it's been fantastic to co-create the universe along with my players. We have a new player starting soon, so we'll be back up to four. So time to recreate those overlays. The people in the M-Space Discord have been excellent and so many ideas and adaptations have come from the discussions that I think I have enough content for several years now. And by the way, if you're not part of the Discord, do head over there and join in the discussions. The link is in the show notes. So one aspect of the M-Space rules that I really enjoy implementing have has been the use of conflict pools. I think they are really a valuable addition to the core rules. So what are conflict pools and how are they used? I first came across conflict pools when we were playtesting the social conflict system in the Mithras Companion. If you don't have this supplement yet, then I would strongly recommend getting it. As well as the social conflict rules, it also has rules on tactical combat, sanity, vehicles and races and chases. Conflict pools then came to my attention again when I started to play M-Space. And I must say, I like them so much that we will be using them in our fancy campaign as well. In case you are not familiar with conflict pools, they are simple and easy to use. I don't want to provide too much information here because the full explanation of how to use them is in M-Space. So if you do want more information, then do support the people who write these rules and buy the rule set. As always, the links are in the show notes. So when I'm GMing games, I often wanted a situation or task to be more involved than a single dice roll. An example would be, say someone wanted to try and crack a computer code, or even trying to lockpick a very complicated lock. Often in the games, these situations are resolved by a single opposed dice roll. I want to get into the computer system. Okay then, roll your computer skill. I want to pick this lock, go for it, roll your lock picking skill. 
Although there might be a time period assigned to the roll, for example, after 10 minutes you succeed, the situation for me lacks significant investment of time and energy, especially if it was a pivotal moment of the game or adventure. So this is where conflict pools come into play. So basically, when a situation needs to be resolved, then a skill and an associated conflict pool is identified and assigned. For example, if we go back to the player hacking into a computer system, then the skill would be their computer skill and the conflict pool might be the security level of the system and the player's conflict pool might be the average of their intelligence and power. Now, once these have been assigned, the participants take it in turn to roll their skills and this is an opposed roll, so there will be a winner. So the winner of the roll then reduces the other opponent's conflict pool by a set amount. When one pool is reduced to zero, then the other person or computer system has won. I have to say that sometimes I find that it's not a person versus a person, but it might be a person versus the computer system. Although the conflict pools has the, can be adapted, so if there was a security hacker or computer operator within the system, then it, the conflict pool would be against um, the player trying to hack in and the security player trying to withstand the hack. When using a conflict pool to resolve a situation, I like to embellish the roles with a narrative and my players like to do that as well. And it really brings the process to life, especially if we think about the computer system once again, People are saying, oh, I try to search for the back door or I activate a, a data spike or a, a malware worm into the system. This, coupled with the time element that can be assigned, really brings the situation to life. So, for example, with the conflict role about the computer system, each role would, say, take 10, 20 minutes. So suddenly the player is actually engaged in that interaction in that situation, providing narrative and actually seeing time passing. And of course, if the situation requires a very quick solution, then that time element can be very, very important to the adventure. I've illustrated the example throughout this episode of the podcast with a computer system. And this is one of my favorite uses of the conflict pool system in M-Space. When Hammond, who is a character played by Captain Kangaroo, is trying to crack a computer code. Unfortunately, despite spending hours on it, he has up to now been unsuccessful. 
he will probably need some assistance or maybe a better hacker to allow him to find out what is hiding behind the code. If you want more information about conflict pools, then do check out the M-Space rule set. It will be a great addition to any of your games and you will definitely find plenty of situations to use them in. Remember, if you would like to contribute to the podcast, then why not drop me an email or message and let me know what you would like to cover. I'm always looking for reviews or interviews with people. So if you're interested, you can email me at inwills at gmail.com or send me a message on the various forums I frequent. Okay, so before we get on to the next section of the podcast, I want to try something. Don't worry, it doesn't cost any money. And of course, if no one comes forward, then I know it wasn't the best idea around. I really like hearing about other people's characters, not their attributes or their skill values, but more about their backgrounds, virtues, ambitions, and even secrets. I thought it would be great to hear about some of your favourite characters and then to share these with podcast listeners. If you are interested, then you could, and this would be truly epic. Use the recording feature in the show notes to record a brief description of your favourite character. If you are not keen to hear your own voice being heard across the internet or to an international audience, then don't worry, you can just email me and I can read it out for you. I'll might, I'll might, I'll even try and use one of my three voices that I reserve for all of my NPCs in my campaign. Does anybody else have that? No matter what voice you start off with, it always ends up with one of three. Then the players tend to exclaim, that really sounds like the previous NPC I used the voice for. To give you some pointers, I thought if you include their name, their main skill or class-like ability, what makes them unique and what their backgrounds was, was like maybe one of their passions, and finally, why you enjoy playing them. So I'm going to start off with introducing you to Ulrich, a tank-style character that I played briefly in our fantasy campaign. Ulrich is essentially a mystic. He is heavy armoured and fights with an axe and shield. But what makes him special is where he gains his mystical powers from. If ever quizzed, Ulrich will refer to his master, Lord Vex. Initially, people might think that this is a human he serves, but they could not be farther from the truth. Lord Vex is a demon lord. Vex bestows powers onto Ulrich in exchange for souls. After battles, Ulrich can be seen kneeling over his fallen enemies, whispering in a strange tongue as he condemns their souls to Vex. It is a shame that I don't play him anymore. 
it would have been real fun, great fun to see how further interactions between Ulrich and Bartleby would develop. You never know, Ulrich might return once again to the campaign in the future, but this time as an opposing party. So there you go, over to you. It would be great to hear from some of you, either by recording um, or using the email. So, get writing and speaking. A few episodes ago, I reached out to the community about Animus and got some excellent responses. So I thought I would push my luck and reach out again and see whether there is anyone out there who can help me with a, another class that I'm finding difficult to implement into Mithras. So does anybody remember playing Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, the first edition? I do. In fact, it was the first system I moved over to after enjoying the basic Dungeons and Dragons, the one in the red book. I still actually have that somewhere. One of the classes I always wanted to play in Advanced Dungeons and Dragons first edition was the Bard. There was something quite appealing about strumming and being silver-tongued and being almost like a rogue that really appealed to me. However, in Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, there was a huge barrier that you had to overcome in order to be and play a bard. To be recognised as a bard, you had to first train as a fighter. And you trained and gained experience and levels until you reached between level the 5th level and 7th level. At that point, you changed class and started again as a 1st level thief. Again, you had to increase in levels as a thief until they, you reached um, between 5th level and ninth level. And then, and only then, did you drop back to 1st level and started your journey as a bard. I have to admit, I never was able to achieve the dizzy heights of being a bard, but it was always something that I really aspired to. Of course, when D&D 5th edition was published, the Bard became its own class. Oh, and while I'm pointing out the difference between AD&D 1st edition and D&D 5th edition, then do check out the series of blogs that I wrote titled, You've Never Had It So Good. These focus on various aspects of the game that changed over the years from 1st edition to 5th edition D&D you will be surprised what was available for us in the early days. I've probably just instantly aged myself as well, but never mind. If you're interested in those blog posts, then do go over to my website, inwills.co.uk, or follow me on Twitter, at inwills. When I first started to GM Mithras, I've only ever played once when Loz kindly GM'd um, the adventure based in Leoness setting. But when I was GMing, I instantly looked to see whether or not the bard was within the rules. But I have to say I was slightly disappointed. And this is where you as experts in the game come in. 
I am sure that some of you have already played bards or created bards in your campaigns or created additional rules to expand the bards profession. So if you would like to come on the podcast for a chat or record something for the podcast, then now is your chance. And just like the Animist episode, I welcome a range of ideas so we can share them across the international audience. Okay, then. So as a starter, this is where I am up to so far. So there is a career already in place, the entertainment no, the bard type, not the one by Scott Joplin. This career definitely hits the appropriate skills for the bard class. Deceit, influence and acrobatics, but also acting, oratory, musicianship and singing and, well, seduction. I can see these all being used by my bard character. Once I saw these skills, I immediately went to the skill description to see what I might be able to do while strumming my lute or blowing my panpipes. So sing allows you to decrease the difficulty of a subsequent inference role, but only on a critical success, with the professional skill of musicianship being able to do the same. I was a bit disappointed by that. Sorry, everyone. But, I mean, that's really hard. That is really hard to get a critical role. But I thought, okay, then, let's look a little bit deeper and see what we can attach to the Bard class. So next, I was wondering whether or not magic could be used to fill the gaps. Now, there are no magic skills mentioned in the skill set of the uh, of the career for entertainer. So possibly a bonus skill, maybe, or a hobby skill. So some of the folk magic spells, I think, tend to lend themselves very much to a bard character. Befuddle, calm, demoralization, and of course, tune. Yes, there is a folk magic spell that allows us to tune our instruments. And then I got to thinking a little bit more and thought, can I make bards mystics? Now, you might have guessed by now, mystics are one of my favourite spell users in um, Mithras. It's because I think they have a huge amount of adaptability. So could bards actually be mystics who cast their spell through the use of their instruments? Could their magical or musical ability allow for stats to be increased or roles to be made easier or harder? Maybe even soft calming tunes could increase, say, healing rates. For me, I think if someone wanted to play a bard, I would definitely go down the magic route to replicate the effects that I associate with my perception of a bard. And the skills that naturally come in the career that's already established, supporting their action and storytelling in the local tavern. But what do you think? Have you as a player successfully played or created a bard? Do you, as a GM, have well-established rules for bards in your campaign? 
I really would like to talk more about Bard's people. So do get in touch if you would like to provide some written content or record something or even much better, come along and we could have like a roundtable discussion on the podcast. I actually want to do more of these roundtables discussions. So do get in touch if you're interested. So again, it's over to you people. What do you think about creating a bard? Do let me know. Just before I go into the outro, there's something else actually came into my mind after recording this. It was that there used to be a song that was associated with D&D 5th edition. That sort of like, all I can remember is the words, my eyes have seen the glory of an umpteen level bard. He's been a thief and fighter and thinks he's really hard. Fantastic lyrics. And also, again, before the outro, would you like me to provide more value when I'm flying solo? You know, instead of saying, what should we do about the bard? Would you prefer that I say, this is how you can create a bard character and then you get back in touch with me? Let me know as in the comments below. Of course, this is your podcast and I'm here to help you in any way I can. That's it. Another episode of Mithras Matters completed. Don't forget you can check out all my content by following my YouTube channel and the campaign areas on World Anvil. And if you are running out of ideas for your campaign or your sessions, you can find some one-sheet encounters on my Ko-fi site. Links, as always, are in the show notes. I really appreciate your support and do check out both the Tapper Talk forums and the Discord where there are some great people sharing their ideas within discussions. So until next time have a great month of gaming and I will chat to you all again in August. Until then I hope all your opposed worlds succeed and provide you with a well-deserved special. Thanks for listening everyone. See ya. Bye. The content of this podcast is covered by the Creative Commons Attribution 3.0 license, so please give appropriate credit if you are sharing or copying any part of this podcast. Thank you.